0: 17 to 31 I had 18 to 31 but um yeah we'll go 18 to 31 actually um that's the way of the cross that's, that's my title I guess <laughs> um as you're turning there uh just uh, preparing for this um through this week I've been in uh I've been in the book of acts and stuff and and then 1 Corinthians it led me to and that's what we're going to speak about here but also little verses throughout like throughout the day here and there, um, th- that I'll be reading. And uh, Psalms 25.9 uh, has been a big one. And it's where God says, or David says, um, that the Lord will teach those thing- teach things to those who are humble. So it's been this week, it's just been, all right, God, just make me as humble as I can be so that you can teach me stuff. Um, and then this passage is a lot about humility, we'll see in a second. So verse 18, we'll start, we'll read it through. First, and then we'll go over it and break it down. Um, So verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the the debater of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption so that it is written let the one who boasts boast in the lord let's uh let's just pray real quick for this father um as we open your word and what you have to say to us god help us take it to heart god soften our hearts right now lord let this let your word speak right through this text god say what you need to say through me don't let me add or take away from your word, God. Just get your points across. God, we ask you to speak this morning, right through your word. Amen. Okay, so um, we're gonna we're gonna skip verse 18 and 19. We'll come back to those in a little bit. We're gonna start in verse 20. It says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debtor of his age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world? And when reading that chapter, it made me think of a question. The question is, how smart can you be if you don't know the most important truth in the world? I think of a bunch of, a lot of people who, who are very smart people. Um, there's a lot of knowledgeable people, a lot of professors, a lot of debaters, a lot of people in this world who are, who are atheists, who are Catholics, who are Muslim, who don't know the most simple and important truth in the world. So the question is, how smart can you actually be if you don't even know the one most important truth in the world? Because when you die, all these other truths that these people believe, the, these smart professors, these atheists, whoever it is, all these truths that they believe is not going to matter the day that they die. The only truth that's going to matter is this one right here, and that's Christ crucified. So really, when, when, whenever I talk to these people... Uh, Whenever I go witnessing, whenever I'm talking to anyone, sometimes at, at the beginning I'll get maybe a little bit scared or intimidated because of their intelligence. But when it really comes down to it, it's like, they don't even know this truth. Like, they don't even know it. So how smart can they be? Like, I have... I who have received God have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have God living inside of me who created everything. So with that, he has all this knowledge. He can speak whatever he wants through me. He can shut that professor up. He can, he can make this guy quiet. He can show how all this other wisdom doesn't matter if you don't know this one important truth. And that's why Paul says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. And it pleased God, right? It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. People look at it as foolish. Because it's a simple truth. Salvation is very simple. God says, Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. He so loved the world that he gave himself that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 22. It says, For the Jews demand signs, and the Greek seeks wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So, in the beginning, verse 22, it says, For the Jews demand signs and the Greek wisdom. Um, correct me if I'm wrong later, Jerry, but... Um, the Jews, they were, they were the chosen people of God. And so when Jesus came down, these were his chosen people, the Jews. And from what I have learned through Sunday school and everything, I might be wrong on this, but pretty positive, and they, they were the chosen people. And so Jesus came down, and his chosen people didn't even realize it was him. They thought that it was someone else. They, they, they demanded a sign, and God gave them these signs. and said, oh, that can't be him that's just not what we thought it would look like. Well, that's not, that's a, it's a stumbling block to us now because there's another false messiah. They're looking for these signs. And the Greeks, they're seeking wisdom. Oh, that, that salvation? There's no way. That's, that's, too, that's foolish. It's stupid. It's simple. It's got to, there has to be something more mature than that, something much more intelligent to, get, to make you saved. There's no way it can be that. That's way too simple. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, us, both Jews and Greeks. So what happened was it, was, it was for the Jews, but then the Jews denied him. So then Jesus was like, you know what, no, everyone, Gentiles, whoever, anyone can be saved. It doesn't matter anymore. You think it's foolish, you think it's you think it's a stumbling block, but no, and you know anyone can be saved. It's so simple. All you have to do is believe. You just got to give it all over to God. Just lay it at his cross. It's repentance. It's turning from your sin. Just give it over and that's it. It's so simple. So the Jews, right? The Jews, where's the sign? No nope, no sign. It's stupid. It's foolish stumbling block. The Greeks folly. God dying, mythological. It doesn't make sense. But to those who are called, it's powerful. Verse 18, back to the top. It says, for the, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, power. It is the power of God. And then the bottom of verse 24 it says, um, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So to these people, it's just it just looks stupid to them. But to those who are being saved, to those who get it, to those who understand and give their lives to God, it is so much more than just stupidity and foolishness. It is powerful. It, your, your life is being saved from the pits of hell. It's it's making a bridge that you couldn't build by yourself that gets you to heaven. It's powerful. That's not anything that we can do by ourselves. There's no way we could build that bridge to heaven. And it always reminds me of. Uh, uh, a quote by um, this rapper, Lecrae. He says, um, "He says that, they say we believe in a fool's faith because kids can grasp it, and salvation is granted to those who ask it. It is so simple, the gospel. People think it's foolish because it's too simple. People think it's foolish because the Jews, they didn't see the sign. But it's power to those who believe. And then I love verse 25 right after it. Paul almost <laughs> almost feel like he goes, almost trying to go overboard with how how simple it is and how powerful God is. It shows a real display of God's power here. It says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I don't think God has foolishness. I don't think God is really weak. But if he was, that foolishness, that if God had foolishness, if he did, which I don't think he does have foolishness, but if he did, it would still be wiser than you. If God were weak, it would still be much stronger than you. And that's what he's trying to get to these people. Like, if, oh man, if, if, God, if God was stupid, if he couldn't reason or think or create, it still would be stronger than what you have. It still would be much more than anything you have. And for us, that should show how much we need him. That should show how much we should depend on him and our dependency on him. It should be every day just, oh God, I, can't, I shouldn't even reason without coming to you. I shouldn't even open your word without praying first and saying, just humbly coming before you and asking for wisdom and asking for something to just show me things. Because it's the Holy Spirit that grants us the strength to understand His word. And when when we're going to do something, when when we're going to go out in faith, we shouldn't even go without a vision or without praying before. Because we can't do anything by ourselves. And, you know, I'm going to go to verse 17 real quick. It says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with the words of eloquent wisdom, let the cross of Christ be emptied in its power. Whenever I'm witnessing to people, man, I'm always praying for their hearts before. I'm always praying that God would use me. Because I don't want to take away the cross's power. It says that, that your words of eloquent wisdom don't let me speak with my words, God. Don't let me speak of my wisdom because my wisdom isn't even close to yours. I look stupid trying to compare my wisdom to you. So you, God, you have to do something through me. You have to send your power through me. Your Holy Spirit has to work through me to reach these people because I don't want to take away the power of your cross because if it's my words, if it's my eloquent wisdom, it's not going to get across to them. So it has to be Through the power of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than me, and the weakness of God is much stronger than me. And it shows our dependency on Him. And then verse 26 says, For consider your calling. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. Right so you weren't born into you weren't born wise, you weren't born really, really smart. Not many of you were born really smart. not many of you were born with a lot of authority or a lot of power. Not many of you were born into rich families. but the world looks at those things as, as powerful and strong and and if you're rich, you have a higher status, and if you're smarter, you're looked upon as almost in a form of idolatry, but you're looked upon as higher and, and more wise, and people look up to that. And this is what the world looks at, and, and because we live in this world, sometimes we get, our mind gets conformed to that, and we start to think like that. But if you look at what God says, in verse 27, it says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world and even the things that are not to bring nothing things that are. We need to start conforming our mind to the way God looks at things and not the world because he chose the weak. He chose the the stupid. He chose the powerless. He chose the low and the despised. But I'm glad he did that. (laughs) Because that means he chose me. That means he chose us. I'm so thankful that's what God did. I'm so thankful that's his plan. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 4 real quick. We're going to be reading... uh, a little bit about P, yeah, Peter and John here in chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 5, but just for the background, I don't know Jared spoke on this a while ago uh, when he started the book of Acts. But um, Peter and John, they were going through, and uh, they, were just, they were witnessing to people. They were going, they were going. And uh, there's this, there this lame man who, who couldn't walk, and they... They just said, he was asking them for uh, for alms to give to the poor, and they, they said, get up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk, and he got up and walked, and it was this huge miracle. It made him walk, and they are all, um, everyone around them, was just, they were just so amazed by what, what what had been done, so they started following Peter and John, and then everyone, uh, the scribes and the elders, they, they didn't like it, so they took Peter and John, and they threw them in jail. They had no reason to do it, but they just did it, because they didn't like Jesus Christ, they didn't like Jesus of Nazareth, because days before they were crucifying him on the cross. Um, So they held him in jail for a day, and then on verse 5, it says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, with Annas the high priest, and Sophias, and John and Alexander, and all who were the highest family, high priest's family. And they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power, by what name did you do this? They asked Peter and John. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by whom you crucified God, raised from the dead. By him this man is standing before you all. This Jesus is a stone which was rejected by you the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. All right. So Peter and John, they're going out, and uh, they were brought, after they were arrested, they were brought before all these high priests, these elders, these scribes, all these big people of Jerusalem. And they're saying, by what power did you do this sin? They're just looking for reasons to keep him in jail or to kill him or whatever. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, just starts breaking out and, and starts saying this stuff about, like, what did we do wrong? Are you going you gonna, to gonna kill us for, for healing a man? This guy was basically dead on the side of the road. Couldn't move, and we just raised him and walked, and you're going to throw us in jail for that? And, and the name that we raised him up in was the name of Jesus, whom you crucified. The one that you killed, the one that you hung on the cross, that's who raised this guy up. It's that power. The one who who hung on the cross three days later rose again. It's that power that rose him up. He says he he was the the stone that was rejected by you, Peter says he's calling him out. He really doesn't care right now. He's been thrown in jail. He doesn't care. What are they going to do? Kill him? He's been beaten. He's in jail. What more can they do to him besides kill him? The big deal. He goes to heaven. It's this whole mindset. He says the ones that you crucified, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there's salvation and no one else. And then verse 13. This is the main part I want to focus on in this passage. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. And then in verse 16, it says, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them It is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They're saying, what the heck? It's these stupid, these, these guys, they're common, uneducated men. There's are these teenagers who don't even know, they don't know anything. But we don't have anything on them. We can't deny what they did. Everyone's looking around, everyone's getting saved from it. It says 5,000 people got saved from it later on, or before. But they're saying, we, they're these, these little, these kids, these teenagers, they don't even, they're uneducated, they're common men. But. We can't we have nothing to hold against them. We can't deny what happened. This is Peter and John. They're common and uneducated. God chose the weak, he chose the, the low and despised. He chose the uneducated and the common men. He didn't chose the wise, he didn't chose the, the rich. And we look at we look at Peter and John as or even even the, the apostles in general. And even I do this and it's I almost put them up on a on a pedestal. When I go through the Bible, I look at look at Moses, I look at all these people and and I, it's not a bad thing to look up to them, but I might place them too high. Right? They're there are men just like me. There are men just like you. They're they're people just like us. In uh in James, when when James is talking about Elijah, he says Elijah, right, the one who prayed, and he he called down fire from heaven, and God sent down fire from heaven. He says he was a man with a nature just like ours, just like us. There's no difference except that he prayed. Go to First uh, Peter or Second Peter, chapter one. We're just going to look at verse one. To Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, Peter, he says, a servant and an apostle. Now, apostle is probably, what I think of it, is probably one of the highest uh, gifts or highest positions. But he first says, Peter, humbly saying, you know, first I'm a servant, then I'm an apostle. Right? First I'm a servant of God, then apostle. I'm here to serve. I'm, that's what Jesus was there for, so that's what I'm here for. But I'm also an apostle at this very high ranking, and Peter says, Peter says to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, a faith of equal standing as ours. That, that's Peter saying that. That's Peter, Peter who walked on water, right? Peter who who walked with Jesus, Peter who wrote these words in the Bible, who God used to pen these words. That Peter. Is saying that we have an equal faith. We are on the same level. There's no, there's no ups or downs. There's no, oh, I'm not as good as a Christian as you. I'm, you're a little bit better Christian than me. No, Peter says, no, we have an equal standing of faith. We're all on the same level here. So don't feel discouraged if you think, oh, that Christian's so much better than me. That, that speaker, oh, he's, he's more holy or more righteous than me. <laughs> and this is Peter saying this. Peter and John, they were common, uneducated men. And Elijah, was a, he, had a faith, he had a nature just like ours. These people are just like us. There's an equal faith. And why is there an equal faith? Why are we standing on the same level as these great men, Moses, Elijah, Peter, John, the apostles, Paul? Why are we standing on the same level as them? Because so many times I don't think that I'm as good or as righteous as these people Because I see the things that they did. And why is it that we have this equal faith? Why are we on the same level as these people? And it's by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I think it's 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, uh, What does it say? I'm going to flip there real quick. You don't have to flip there. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Should have wrote it down. He says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake He made Him who knew no sin, so Jesus Christ who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So it's almost like we traded places with God, right? God had all this righteousness, and we had all this sin and this disgusting stuff, and it's like we just totally switched places. When we went on that cross, we totally switched places, and he gave gave us his righteousness, and then he took on all of our sin. He didn't know any sin, but he took it all for us. And then he gave in in return he gave his righteousness. So that when God looks at me, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so then by that righteousness we have access to talk to God and to be with God in heaven one day. That's why Peter's saying we have a we have a faith of equal standing. We have the same righteousness. It's the same Jesus Christ. It wasn't Peter's righteousness, then it wasn't Jesus Christ's righteousness and then Peter's righteousness added on to it. That wouldn't help at all. It was, it's not my it's not Christ's righteousness in me and then my what I do added on to it. That doesn't help. That just screws things up. It's only Jesus Christ's righteousness. And that is why we're on the same level as all these people. And God, He he chose us. Peter, Peter was weak. He was common, uneducated. Me, uneducated. I'm second year in college. I don't, I don't know a lot. And when I go through this book. This book is not about a bunch of great men. It's about a bunch of average people, but they, but they prayed and they gave their lives to God and they, and they trusted in Him and they put all their faith in Him. It's not about these great men who did all these great things with their own strength. It's about these men who came to God's cross and just surrendered everything and said, just take it. I don't have anything. I don't have any power. I know, I know it's, you're so much more powerful than me. I don't have anything. I need you to help me. I mean, go go throughout the whole Bible, the whole Bible. Go back to First Corinthians one, but throughout the whole Bible, I talked about Elijah, right? Elijah's a sort of faith like ours. He's got a nature just like ours, and he's, he's going. He goes in First uh, Kings eighteen. He goes before um, for all these people and. And these people who are worshiping this idol—I talked about this last time a little bit—and and they're they're trying to burn the ox, and they're saying, "Which god is greater, our idol or your god, Elijah?" And Elijah's saying, "Well, it's my god." And well, how, how can you prove it to us? All right, we'll set up this—we'll we'll put a bull on this on this altar, and then you call it to your god and see if he he the uh, fire starts up, and then I'll call it to my god and see if the fire starts up. <coughs> And so these people are calling out to their idol and their, their God, and they're, they're cutting themselves and all this stuff, and they're, they're screaming out to them, and they, they're cutting themselves because they don't know what else to do. They're pouring their blood on them, they don't know. They're, they're screaming out to them because they think it's going to happen. And then Elijah starts mocking them, I'm like, go ahead, pour, pour water on it. My God will still burn it. Your <laughs> guy can't do anything. It's an idol, it's not real. And then God, Elijah calls out to God, and he, boom, fire and we have the same we're on the same level as him. Think about David and Goliath. Right? It says God chose the weak. I say God chose what is weak in the world to bring to shame the strong. David and Goliath underdog story. Little little guy with a big big heart. God chose David to defeat a 9-foot giant. David comes before him and oh, with this attitude, like, you can't talk about my God like that. You can't talk against him like that. I'm not going to let you do that. I think Goliath is just, Goliath's mocking him, nine feet tall. He says, What are you going to do? Throw sticks at me like a dog? Are you kidding me? But God chose David, the weak in the world sight. Right? He was weak in the world site, but God saw him differently. Think about, what does it say? It says, God chose the weak in the world. He chose what is low and despised, even the things that are not to bring things that are. Before it says, He chose what is foolish in the world, to shame, the wise. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are all stories I, I grew up on in Sunday school. And man, these are just the simplest stories, but they make so much sense now. And God chose what is weak and foolish, and what is foolish, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king, is like, this is the idol, we're going to worship him. And everyone does it. And all, and all of uh, Babylon, I couldn't think of the empire, and all of Babylon, all of them just get on their knees and start worshiping this idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, we're not going to do that. And Nebuchadnezzar, are you kidding me? Everyone's doing it. Everyone is doing it. Why aren't you doing it? This is the God that I chose. This is the idol that I chose. We're going to worship it. And if not, I'm going to throw it in the furnace to die. But Abednego said, no, no, this isn't right. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. Though everyone did it, though the world looks at it as, a, as smart and wise and powerful, it's not. Because God didn't choose that. That's not God. That's an idol. And so... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are looking and that's not God. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And He shows what is foolish, right? Everyone thought what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, standing up for what they believed in. They're they're sitting there on their knees worshiping this idol and they look over and they're like, why aren't these guys doing it? They're the only three who aren't doing it. That's foolish. That's stupid to them. You stand out and you look like an idiot sometimes. But God chose you to do that. And then through it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—they get thrown in the fire because Nebuchadnezzar gets so furious with them. He says, "You're not going to—you're not going to—you're not going to bow to our idol." Gone. You're dead. And then they turn and they look in there. What are they? There's four people in there. What happened? We threw three guys in there. We didn't throw four. And then God totally just saves them for their for their faith and their dependency on Him, because He chose them. He chose the foolish he chose the weak he chose the low and the despised to bring to shame all these things that the world looks at as as powerful and strong and smart verse uh, 29 through 31 why why did God choose the weak why did he choose the low and despised why did he choose me it says, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God knew God knew how, how, how prideful people can get. He knew how prideful I can get. He knew how prideful we can get. And it's so, he chose these people because they had the heart and they had the attitude of, I'm nothing without God. And those are the people he chooses to save. Those are the ones he looks for. He doesn't look for these people who are, all look at me. Look what I did. He doesn't look for that. He looks for the one who says, God, I can't, I know I can't do this on my own. I know I cannot do it on my own. You have to work through me. You have to do this for me. So that so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Ephesians two, eight through nine says I'm struggling with these verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of your good deeds. It's not by you adding on to Jesus Christ's righteousness. Why? Because I don't want you to boast about it. It's not you who's doing it. It's God and God alone. And the last passage we're going to go to, I'll close on this, is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. I studied this verse for a while, a while back. And I just never really got it. But it finally made sense to me after reading First Corinthians 1. It finally hit me of, That's it. That makes total sense now. And that's the gospel. It says, But we have the treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. But we have the treasure in jars of clay. It's this idea of of this, this jar of clay. It's this pot, this clay pot that is holding treasure in it. It doesn't look right. It doesn't make sense sometimes. It looks kind of weird. A clay pot holding treasure? We are like clay pots. We don't look the greatest. We don't look the smartest. We're not the strongest. We're, we're clay pots. We're not what you would think treasure would be holding. And sometimes I feel like, man, should I really be sharing the gospel? The gospel is this great treasure in this clay pot. But that's what God chose. God chose the clay pot. Right, A clay pot would feel inadequate holding treasure, holding gold in it. It shouldn't be a clay pot. It should, oh, it should be a chalice There should be some gold cup or something or a wine glass or something much nicer holding this treasure. But we are like clay pots and then we hold this treasure inside of it. And this clay pot pours out treasure into other people. He chose the weak. He chose the low and despised. He chose the clay pots. We are like clay pots. And we pour this treasure, this gospel. The gospel is gold. It's so important. And we pour that out into other people. And why? He says it. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. He made us clay pots. He chose to put his treasure, to put himself, the Holy Spirit, in clay pots. God chose to do that. A God. God. Not just another human being, not someone low in despised. God chose to put himself in us, in clay pots. Just average things to show that it's his power. To show that it's not by human beings, wisdom, or power. But it's by Him alone. And, and this, this title, The Way of the Cross, actually kind of makes sense. Because it's kind of exactly what Jesus did. A God dying for you. God dying for you. It's, it's a little bit weird. That might look a little bit foolish. That is a little bit weird. In the world, sight. God died for you. And people say, oh, it's foolish. God, God died? How can God die? It doesn't make sense. Why would a God die? It looks a little bit foolish to the world. But then what happens three days later? It's powerful, it arises again. It's the way of the cross. God chose what is weak to shame the, spot, the, the wise, the strong, powerful. Let's pray. Father, let our dependency be on you and nothing else. Help our minds to be focused on your cross and nothing else, God. Help us to be humbled by your words and know that it's nothing that we do that does anything. We can't save ourselves, God. Nothing we do gets us to heaven except for complete dependency and commitment to you. Complete surrender to you, God. God I'm so thankful you chose the weak and the low and the despised so thankful we ask that as we leave here Lord we know that we are clay pots but what we hold is much, much more valuable than just that what we hold is treasure we hold gold God help us to be faithful to pour that out into other people's lives by what we preach to them by what we say to them by the way we act around them, and by how much we care and love them more. In your pray.
1: to
2: I'm
3: And he turned me around And he placed my feet on the solid ground Hallelujah Hallelujah Cause he picked me up And he turned me around And he placed my feet on the solid ground Hallelujah Hallelujah Cause he picked me up And he turned me around And he placed my feet on the solid ground Hallelujah Hallelujah up, and he turned me around, and he placed my feet on the solid ground. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!